listening to right where you are sitting now. Hi there, welcome to episode 38 of Sitting Now. Uh, this is the podcast for the site sittingnow.com or .co.uk. As you can probably tell, I'm doing this on my own again. Lazy co-hosts is all I'm going to say. Lazy. Actually, Raymond Wiley was going to help me on this one, but he fell asleep. So there you go. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Let's play some adverts. Airy Radio, opening the door to the unknown. Listener feedback. Really looking forward to the new episodes. So keep up with your work, guys. Thanks. Interviews. There's so many movies, so many documentaries, even books that come out that have factual information in it that maybe, you know, this is a gradual way of, of kind of educating the public to as to what's going on. Visit Erie Radio at www.erieradio.com. Excuse me, I've got some information I'd like to share with you. Did you know that 26 billion pickles are packed each year in the U.S.? That's about 9 pounds of pickles per person. More than half the cucumbers grown in the U.S. are made into pickles. Hey, pickle boy, let's talk pickles. The Podcast Pickle, that is. The Podcast Pickle is your resource for all the latest and greatest podcasts found in cyberspace with thousands of podcasts listed and more added every day. Here's some of the podcasts that you'll find at podcastpickle.com. <laughs> Geek Foo Action Grip. Beachcast. Comic Geek Speak. Speechless. Mad King. This Week in Tech. Warren Town Talk. NASCAR Zone. Shelly the Republican. A Voice from Eden. Jimmy McBean. Five Minutes with Wichita. Cinema Playground. Offbeat. The Logo Factory. The Exit 50. This and That with Jeff and Pat. Thoughts on Psychiatry. Web Hosting Show. Merlin from Berlin. Random Cast. Jazz with Tiger. American Road Trip Show. The Drew M Podcast. The Slam Idol Podcast. Forgotten Tales. The Zencast. XboxStation.net. How to Do Stuff. <laughs> Now, Pickle has a whole new meaning. PodcastPickle.com, the world's best podcast directory. And we're back. So today's guest is Arthur Goldwag. He's the author of Cults, Conspiracies and Secret Societies, The Straight Scoop on Freemasons, The Illuminati, Skull and Bones, Black Helicopters, The New World Order, and many, many more. It's a basically a kind of coffee table stroke, um, uh, I don't know, kind of research guide to the above mentioned things. And it, it's absolutely fantastic. I absolutely recommend this book now to anyone that wants to learn about this kind of stuff because it's just brilliantly written. The, the philosophy behind it's fantastic. It completely resonates with this show and the, the website and everything we do. But yeah, I mean, I'm just really looking forward to doing this interview. I think it's going to be great. Um, so let's go talk to Arthur now.
Hi, Arthur Goldwag. Thanks so much for coming on the show. Hello, it's great to be here. Um, for the sake of the listeners, could you give us a, a brief biography of yourself, please? Sure. I'm a freelance writer. I live in Brooklyn, New York. I worked in publishing and book publishing for many, many years, uh, over 20 years before I got into writing full-time. And I've written two other books besides Cults, Conspiracies, and Secret Societies. The first book I wrote was on Kabbalah, on Jewish mysticism. The second book was called Isms and Ologies, and it's an opinionated reference book on um, philosophical, economic, historical movements. And I got into the conspiracies and cults and secret societies right after writing isms because I, I consider them sort of the shadow side mm. of, of, of um, isms topics. Um, the people I wrote about in isms all thought that they had figured everything out. The people that I wrote about in cults, conspiracies, and secret societies all thought that they had figured things out. And I'm, I'm interested, I'm, I'm not really a believer in anything, but I'm very interested in belief. Yeah, yeah, I think that's pretty much the same philosophy this end as well, actually. <laughs> <laughs> I, often, I, I often say I find the uh, conspiracy theorists more fascinating than the theories, often. Um, they're, they're a little scary, but they're very <laughs> thoughtful, interesting scary people <laughs> <laughs> yeah it does make you wonder what what what's the sort of tipping point as like maybe someone like Malcolm Gladwell might say like what's the tipping point that sort of uh kind of it's what kind of brings people into the kind of the conspiracy fold I suppose um I I think it's the same thing that brings people into religion and I think that the um I think that there's there's a, a, a point where people take a leap. Um, you know, rationality isn't going to bring you to faith, and rationality isn't going to bring you to conspiracy theory. I think that a belief in conspiracies is a completely normal, healthy, intellectually valid way to be. Um, I think if you, I think there are people that are so uncomfortable with the fact that that the that the world is so um, that the world is so disorganized that conspiracies can play the role that they play in it or not that something can be a total accident or something can be a conspiracy is very troubling to some people mm. and they opt for conspiracy in the way that somebody might opt for God. Yeah. rather than um than chaos so i mean i i i think that you know where you get where you start drawing the distinctions between um you know a skeptic skepticism and and suspiciousness and you know a, um where, where you draw that line between that and conspiracy theory is precisely at some metaphysical point the mm. tipping point is, is 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 a metaphysical point a theological point yeah where that that's that's my idea anyway 
So I, I found that quite interesting, and it's because I kind of came to the same conclusion when I did some research into um, the Church of Scientology that the belief system almost becomes a kind of way of organising the world, doesn't it? It's kind mm-hmm. of yeah, it's a kind of uh, it explains away the untidiness almost. Okay, so one thing I'd like to do is perhaps go through your new book, Cults, Conspiracies, and Secret Societies, um, and maybe break it down into those three groups and perhaps look at some of the kind of uh, the key topics, I suppose, in each each mm-hmm. section. Uh, and I'd like to start with cults, but I think the first thing I always find interesting when people discuss cults is that they tend to use the word cult in a certain way. Um, and for me personally, I've worked with sociologists and that are kind of you know dedicated to the field of the study of um, of cults, if you want to call it that. Um, and they tend to avoid using the term cult. They tend to use the word new religious movement, I think. And um, I think that's because of the kind of there's a uh, it's a loaded word, isn't it? Would you agree? I absolutely, and I'm very careful not to use it in the way that most people use it. I mean, especially in the United States, the word is used by evangelicals to describe movements that are wrong. And you go on the internet and you look up cults, and you'll get a list of of movements. Um, this one's a cult. That one's not a cult. This one's evil. That one's that one's correct. I don't use it that way at all. I, I use it um, the way a social scientist does to describe a, a, a monolithic, totalizing philosophy and an all-powerful leader, basically, mm. um, which limits the, the number of groups I can talk about um, because you know there are legitimately religious groups that are completely culty, in, in that respect, but I'm not going to talk about them because I, I don't want to get into an issue of what people believe. Um, I'm, I'm more interested in, in um, how they're organized, how, um, and, and, and I put some groups and cults that, that maybe I shouldn't have. You know, I, maybe I wasn't as careful as I could have been. But essentially, I, I, I try to take a social science view. One thing that, again, sorry, I'm perhaps to the, to the listeners being a little selfish because this is an area I find fascinating um, but one thing I find really interesting is the kind of the relationship of power between the leader and the actual group normally uh, is this something that you came across when you were um, studying there yeah and it's it's terribly upsetting mm. because because you read about the 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 the, um, the cult leader almost always devolves you know, he, he, he or she starts out very idealistic and very transcendentally oriented. And then, you know, a couple minutes later, they're having sex with their followers. Then, they're, then, they're, then often there's violence. Um, but, you know, in, in America, the, the prototypical cult, Jim, Jim Jones, I mean, Jim Jones did a, a phenomenal amount of good in his life, which isn't to say that he was even remotely good. He was a completely satanic individual, but his politics were great. He, he lived out a lot of his politics. He, he adopted these minority kids. He was, you know, he, he started out in such a conservative place. He, he was in the, um, I'm forgetting this, the Midwestern city now, but it was the same place where the John Birch Society started. Hmm. And he was, um, 
you know, he, he, he was liberal and multicultural back in the 50s. He actually, um, the guy that he got his, his inspiration from, Father Divine, who was also quite corrupt, not, not violent like, like John's was, but, but, but pretty corrupt. Um, he, he was very um, social-oriented and, and, and did, did, did a lot of good in his life, too. But then what, what, what happens with Jones is, is, you know, he develops a God complex and he develops this completely instrumental relationship to people. He uses them. And finally he's killing them. And it's, a, it's, it's, it's awful. <laughs> it's almost like the uh, embodiment of that phrase, absolute power corrupts absolutely, isn't it? It's kind of... Uh... It, it, that's, that's just what it is. And then the other side of the formula, of course, is that you get these disciples who are so ready to abnegate themselves. And, and, and you get the same phenomenon in legitimate religion, too. But, but you know, you, you have these people that are perfect victims and these people that are perfect victimizers. Mm. And they come together and, and terrible things happen. Yeah, it's interesting. When I was doing uh, my research, I um, came across... It's, I think the, one of the common misconceptions about people that join cults um, is that they're helpless individuals or they're, you know, from the, uh, uh, I guess, low, lower social rankings, I suppose. But actually, they often tend to be kind of middle to upper middle class um, people that get bored and want to, in some ways, and want to kind of attempt to enrich their lives for an alternative belief system, perhaps. I don't know if that's a... No, I mean, you get the same phenomenon with suicide bombers, too. Mm. You know, you, you say, oh, well, these are people without any hope. And they are in some sense, but then you, you start looking at who they are. And, you know, they tend to be more educated than the people around them. They're, they're doctors and engineers' sons. They have some college. They have... It's like... Um, it, you know, ig ignorance never explains something like this. It's it's something else, mm. and um, and actually, I think a lot of what it is 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 the desire for transcendence, mm. which which is you know not I'm I'm not against religion at all, but um, but in the cult context, it, it's 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 a terrible thing, and and almost, you know, well. That's that's where it's a, a loaded word. It's always a terrible thing. It's, mm. it's um, somebody loses. Yeah, I mean, one thing that another thing that kind of mystified me a little bit um, was that there always seems to be a very um, similar kind of back like origin story, almost to use for a better of a term, um, to how these groups start up, and um, it makes you wonder why people don't spot these kind of similarities between groups i mean for example scientology and uh, there's, there's there's nearly always a, a kind of top-down system and it's it's nearly always the way these groups start are always fairly similar and you always wonder why people don't kind of have a kind of better i don't know what the word is is bullshit detector i suppose in some ways well with hubbard i mean it's especially astonishing mm. um hubbard was smart but he was a hack writer, you know, he was, um, he lived in a world of people who could think on their feet, and he lived in a world of people who were scheming to make a quick buck, and he, um, he brought a lot of them into Scientology. It's, it's, um, you know, and he started 
right out. I mean, from the beginning, and the first paragraph of Dianetics is like, you know, this is the greatest thing since Newton or since the wheel or what? What? What did he say it was? It was something funny. I can't remember anymore. But it was incredibly grandiose, mm. and he told one of his ex-wives that his desire was to stamp his name into history. And he, you know, he was very much about money, very much about power. And it was also kind of funny is that he was, you know, he, he turned secularism into a religion. He was, he, it's, you know, Scienceology or whatever it was. It's, <laughs> is it? um, I, I think, you know, the, a lot of these groups, it's not their size, it's their intensity. And I think Scientology was probably, even when it was big, it was probably much smaller than they said it was. Oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> and, and I'm sure it's much smaller now, mm. although, you know, it's constantly in the news and, and, and so on. There's money there, there's, there's a critical mass of celebrities, but I, I don't, you know, I, I think it, it, it fits itself to a very specific kind of person. Yeah. Do you think to some degree maybe people join groups like Scientology to kind of I can't think of a better way of saying it but in a way to kind of show off to other people in some ways this is another thing I've noticed with my research that some people did it as a kind of rebellious thing you know they uh, they joined it under a completely different pretense to that of uh, you know someone that was seeking genuine I guess spirituality um I've only personally known a very few people uh, who who have been in cults, and they tend to need something. Mm. There's 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 something that they need. I knew one person. I write about this experience for three sentences. I don't give a lot of space to it, but somebody tried to recruit me for a group when I was in my early twenties, mm. and um, you know the 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 the, the pitch was come here and you'll meet girls, there'll be drugs, there'll be, um, there'll be enlightenment, and these are all things that you would want, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, especially if you're lonely. It was a, it, I thought it was, a, it was a good pitch. I mean, it turned out to be, when I got there, it turned out to be a religious group and they wanted <laughs> money, but, <laughs> yeah. but the pitch was that, you know, I, I would not be lonely. Mm. And I think that's a big part of this is, is, um, and, you know, and then some of them do, you know, the, the, whether they call it brainwashing or not, you know, the, 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 um, the Sufi masters and the Zen masters, they do some pretty violent stuff to their people to, to, to reprogram their brains. Um, there's, there's some, personality deforming stuff that goes on in real religion and it certainly goes on in a very big way in cults and I think you know going back to real religion or legitimate religion let's call it you know the the the, the um, I guess it's in the Bible by your fruits you shall know them mm. um, or you know <laughs> you want to go back to William James and the variety of religious experience, you can't judge the truth of these things or not. There is no way to judge it. It's, it's, it. It lives in the realm of faith. 
but if your people turn out to be very, you know, if, if somebody goes through this thing, they go through this personality deformation, they leave their parents, they change their way of thinking, they cut off all their old associations, they give up their money, but they end up living a, a spiritual life and it's not devoted to some person or some institution, but to a charity and, you know, good works in the world and holiness then, you know, okay, then maybe it's not a call. Maybe maybe it's real. And this is, you know, this person's a mendicant and a monk. Um, if it's devoted to making some ex-science fiction writer rich, then they're a sap and they've been exploited. Mm. Um, they may end up living the same kind of life. I mean, it's possible, I think, that you could get... Well, there's some very, you know, there's some very strange things that uh, the thing that blew me away and I, other people knew about this I didn't was the um, the Processian cult which was a, it was actually an offshoot of Scientology that started mm. in England yeah um, it's psychoanalytic group and then it became a religion and then it became kind of a satanic religion and there was this married couple, the de Grimstons, she was an ex-call girl and he was an ex-military guy and they became the Alpha and the Omega and he dressed in black and there was they, they had a black mass and they were associated very tangentially but there were some associations with Charles Manson and then the group disappears in the early 70s and they're never heard from again. But the corporate structure of the group became the Best Friends Animal Sanctuary, mm. which is a huge humane society for animals in the United States. I think it may be the biggest. It may even be bigger than the ASPCA now. Mm. And they were the people that rescued all the animals from Katrina, and they have a magazine, and they have TV shows. But if you dig into the, um, the corporate structure of this group, it was set up as a nonprofit. Um, the Processian Church in the 1960s, <laughs> and some of the principles of it are the same people, yeah. and um, it's just strange. Yeah. <laughs> Is that, how do you go from I don't know caring for animals from the uh, hailing Satan? <laughs> it's kind of a <laughs> strange crossover. Um, yeah, one group I was gonna you mentioned it in the uh, introduction to the cult section. Um, I'm assuming you're talking about David Koresh when you say Koreshanity. No, no, that's something totally different. Oh, really? Okay, interesting. Yeah, um, that's, that's, um, Koreshanity is actually my favorite of all these groups. Mm. They're both named after the same person. Ah, They're named right. after the biblical Cyrus. Koresh is the, um, the Hebraization of Cyrus, and Cyrus is the, um, the Persian that, that sent the Jews back to Israel, that, that ended the first, um, that ended the first exile, and he's he was, um, you know, very very well thought of in the Bible. Mm. Um, David Koresh is the Branch Davidian. That's why I um, thought it was. Actually. I'm just looking for it now. Yeah. But 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 um, Koreshanity is a group founded by Dr. Cyrus Reed Teed, who mm. died in 1908, and he was a um, he was a medical doctor and an alchemist who was doing experiments in alchemy and he electrocuted himself in like 
the 1870s and he had a vision a beautiful woman approached him and told him that the whole universe was inside a hollow globe that everything was on the inside of the earth hmm. and um, and he developed a whole cosmology and a whole theology that said that we lived on the inside of the globe and the sun was like three feet across and it was here and the moon was six inches or whatever it was and it was there and he lost his marriage, he lost many medical practices, he got in trouble with the law now and then, but eventually he hooked up with a group of spiritualists and he got a pretty large following and they built a, um, a utopian community in Florida and they were called, what is the group, what was the place called? Um, Oh, he was also, he was a distant cousin of Joseph Smith, the founder yeah. of the Mormons. Mm. But anyway, the, the town they, they, they founded was in southern Florida, and the last survivors died in the, I guess they died in the 1940s. Anyway, the, the group fell apart when he died because he, he had told them he was going to come back to life and confer immortality on them. And they actually kept his body out for as long as they possibly could to give him a chance to come back, but he didn't. Mm. Um, but they, um, they, they actually, they did experiments with these giant T-squares to prove that the world was, was, um, was concave rather than convex or vice versa. I can't quite visualize it in my head. Um, he wrote many books. I've read one of them. It's pretty crazy stuff. Got the cellular he, cosmology, I think it's called, isn't it? Yes, yeah. but but he didn't hurt anybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he took their money and their lives, but he didn't he didn't abuse them particularly, and he was terribly sincere. I think he really genuinely believed this stuff. Hmm. Um, and then I, I there's a little excursus in this chapter. I got into hollow earth theory because there's so much of it, and I had had no idea. <laughs> well, Cleve Sim, yeah, he's, he's the one that, that Poe adapted, and um, you read about him in Edgar Allan Poe. Um, but Hitler was into hollow earth theory, and, um, and then there, you know, there was this whole thing about Vril. Um, there's the, the, this, the, these, um, these neo-Nazi groups that believe in Vril, Vril is actually an Edward Bulwer-Lytton novel about a, uh, an advanced race of people that lives in a hollow earth and they have this like magnetic electricity that's the superpower. And then there was a, a, a German mystical group in the teens that, that some Nazis, future Nazis belonged to that believed in Vril. And then there was a bad book written in French in the 50s that said that there were flying saucers powered by Vril that were kept at secret Nazi bases in the South Pole. And there were movies of that and so on, and, and it became kind of a staple of a sideline of conspiracy theory. Hmm. But, it, but, it, but it really goes back to this novel by Edward Bulwer-Lytton. It's just, you know, who knew? <laughs> <laughs>
you start looking at this stuff and it so takes you everywhere. Yeah, it kind of unfolds in all sorts of different directions. Um, uh, this might be a bit of a generic question, I suppose, but I mean, other than Christianity, or um, what were the kind of some of the weirder groups you encountered when you were uh, doing your research? Well, Christianity was pretty weird. Um, the the some of the groups, um, God, there was this um, horrifying Canadian group. The the the, um, the guy called himself Moses was not a big group, but he he it was maybe he had a dozen people, twenty people following him, mm. but for um, cannibalism, incest, mutilation, murder, it was just horrific. Mm. I mean, really, really horrible group. And yeah. there were actually um, the Raelians are kind of interesting to me. Again, they're kind of harmless. Are they the they're, guys that believe in UFOs? Yeah, they're. I mean, well, it, it's more about the guy that runs them. Is is um, I think he's in it for the money too. But they were also they clone people. They're they're the ones that claim to be the to have the cloning going on in Korea, and I, I don't think it's real, but but um, but they were very strange. One I'm always interested in talking about sa- uh, Satanism, um, because it's so again, it's one of those um, things that seems to be so, uh, I guess often misinterpreted as to what it actually is. I mean, there seems to be different branches or different, at least different versions of, of Satanism. I know LaVey's version, for example, is very different to, say, the Order of the Nine Angles version, which is much more kind of evil, whereas LaVey's version was much more about... It seemed to be much more about kind of promoting the self rather than... Hmm. He, he actually um, plagiarised this Nietzschean book that was written at the end of the 19th century in Anton LaVey. I can't remember the name of the book, but it's um, it's like almost a line-by-line plagiarism. Hmm. And it's written by, by Red Something. It's supposed to be like by a Scandinavian. or um, But it's like applied Nietzscheanism. And he was a showman, Anton LaVey. And it was just about will, practical will to power. But like all the Satan groups, there was never a formal religion of Satanism until our day. I mean, Satanism was invented by the by the guys from the Inquisition mm. that were trying to stamp it out. But you know, they 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 brought into the fold of Satanism anything that wasn't Catholic that they didn't like. They had Jews practicing Satanism. They had. Um, they certainly had a lot of the um, the female religions, whatever you call them, the goddess religions. Mm. They they pulled into that fold, um, but you know all the black mass stuff and stuff. I mean, you have to be a Catholic to do that. If 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 you if you're <laughs> if you're not a Catholic, why would you believe that the cross has all this power and stuff? You know, I mean, it's. <laughs> Why, why would it matter if you turn it upside down or if you say the Lord's Prayer backwards if you don't 
believe that it means anything frontwards, why would it mean anything backwards? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, that's what it was, yeah. so a lot of the Satan groups are you you look at them through the you know, through the um through the prism of Catholicism and um certainly a lot of what we know about them is from well, from the the the, the um the hammer of witches, the Mali Malleus Maleficum, hmm. which is the the it's written by Germans, German Dominicans in the thirteen hundreds, the fourteen hundreds. It's a manual of witchcraft. It's the basis of most of the big witch trials. Hmm. Um, you know, the, the the confessions don't mean anything. Those guys were tortured and told what to say. It's it's it tells you about the Inquisitors' beliefs, not the um, the poor people that got into their hands. Yeah. Um, I mean, Aleister Crowley is another one. I mean, but but a lot of his most important books are channeled, which to me means that he wrote them, and um, you know, and and they they all have antecedents and. Um, you know, and 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 there's a lot of, I mean, there's a lot of history to occultism, and there's a lot of precedents, and there's a lot of, there's Arab magic and Jewish magic, and all all, all kinds of things get worked into it. Um, there's a there's a, there's a, a, a um, there's a left hand in tantra. There's a dark side in Kabbalah. There's um, um, almost every um, practical, you know, every, every religion that has a practical side, a magical side, is going to have a dark side too. Hmm. You're going to have sorcerers that that can make people do things. But as we've just seen, you know, cult leaders make people do things too, and they and they do it out of um, out of psychological terror, not out of real magic. Hmm. I mean, that that's that's my point of view. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I don't really believe in, um, I don't, I don't really believe in the devil. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's very similar. Like you saying there, is it malef malefic? You said. Something yeah, like I, I, I'm, I'm not getting it exactly right, but the mal maleficus maleficarum, I think it is. I, I, it's, it's a. You know, it's it's the it's in my book somewhere. Mm. My publisher was too cheap to do an index. It drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Every bit... reviewer has said, "Where's the index?" <laughs> <laughs> it reminds I, me. I Go on, pleaded sorry. with them to do it. <laughs> yeah, the index is uh, handy, <laughs> so at least. But no, it reminds me a little bit of the Knights Templar and the um, the whole Baphomet thing. You know, the, this idea of the they were basically tortured into saying that they worshipped Baphomet, this uh, you know evil entity of some sort. And uh, if you, uh, I don't know, I assume you've read Foucault's Pendulum, and there's the whole section in the Foucault's Pendulum where um, they talk about you know how this entire kind of occult structure might have actually emerged just purely from the minds of of the people that tortured the Templars, rather than you know <laughs> anything well, I, else. I, I... I, I did read Foucault's Pendulum, and I was in awe of it. I, mm, I just fantastic. thought, I mean, I just thought he got everything. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. I have couldn't, him. I couldn't believe how much he knew. <laughs> yeah, and 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 how well he got it, in, including the really scary stuff. The, um, you know, the, the, the there, there's a black mass in it, and the the um, 
the the um, the, the pagan stuff in Brazil, the the, the African related and Native American related stuff, the you know, the forces that these people draw on, but he doesn't necessarily believe that any of it's real. And, you know, the the there's a lot of interesting suggestions about where Baphomet comes from. Mm. And um but where it comes from is the minds of the people that were torturing these guys. Mm. Who, you know, they, they clearly did know a little bit about what the what the Arabs believed in. The um the Nizarites and the assassins, they they had some pretty dark stuff that they believed in, and some pretty um, antinomian stuff. You know, um, and antinomianism is another major force that runs through the cults. I think when when you get the belief that if I'm saved, a- a- antinomianism just means against the law. I think mm. um, I think Luther actually coined the word. Um, because people that, uh, a bunch of early Protestants were antinomians, or at least were accused of being antinomians. They figured once saved, always saved. If good works don't get you saved, if it's just justification by faith by grace, then bad works won't take it away. Mm. So if if Christ has saved me, I can do pretty much whatever I want. And, and, um... On some level, I think that's what happens to cult leaders, is is they think, well, you know, being God is a fantastic gig. You can do anything, <laughs> and it's godlike. Hmm. If you want to sleep with someone, you sleep with them, and it's a blessing. Other people can't do this, but I can. And um, all the way back, you know, with the Arabs in in um, the Nizarites in the 10th century or whatever it was, who the Templars were accused of consorting with, the assassins, they had a secret doctrine that you can pretty much do as you wish. Mm. I mean, no, no, you, you can't do as you wish. The, the leader can do as he wishes, and it's for, for good. It's for the good of the leadership. It's for the good of the cult. It's for the good of the group. Everything is permitted, nothing... No, I've got the wrong way yeah, around. Yeah, that, that's, that's pretty much what it is. And, mm. and then it, it's Crowley picks it up. Yeah. Um, and then the, and, and there's the, the, um, the Hellfire Club uses it as their motto. Mm. It, I think maybe it comes from Gargantua and Pantagruel, too. The, the, everything is permitted. Comes, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's like a, a refrain that pops up every couple of centuries. Hmm. And, nothing is um, true. Everything is permitted, does it? Isn't it? It's, 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 it's yeah. two things. I can't remember. I'm trying to remember what the other uh, the other section of that is. I should know that. Uh, and then, and then you have the yeah. I mean, again, I wish there was an index. You know, if um, <laughs> someday there's going to be a new edition of this book with an index, because I wrote it to be indexed. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose we should move on to secret societies, really. But one of the things that's always fascinated me, and this kind of crosses into conspiracy theory, is the fascination with by conspiracy theorists in Freemasonry and why they think Freemasonry is this, uh, you know, covert group that kind of like puppet masters almost. You know, they they're controlling the world. And wh- where does that root from? Do you think? Well, it, it roots from the French Revolution. And it roots from um, two books, Abbe Barillon and um, Robeson. The, there's one of them's a Scottish writer, one of them's a French writer. 
John Robeson and and Abbe Barillon, and they 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 both it was in seventeen ninety eight. They both wrote bestsellers about um, the Illuminati, and the Illuminati is Adam Weishaupt's secret group in Germ in Bavaria that he believed we can use since the Masons are secret, and since the Masons are pretty secular already. Let's infiltrate the Masons and reading societies, and we'll use them to secularize society. Mm. And we'll destroy kings, we'll destroy the power of the church. What's weird about this to me is that Americans were so freaked out by this, because America's the only country in the world that had actually done this. They've gotten rid of the king, they've gotten rid of, of the central church, and and yet they're such a conservative country, you know, that... So, but um, in America, there's a big panic about the Illuminati in the 1790s, and then again in the 1820s. Mm. Um, there's a, something called the Anti-Masonic Political Party. Mm. They've been around for a actually, while, I think, haven't they? Well, they, they didn't last that long, but mm. they were against Jackson, they were abolitionists, but it got tied in with a lot of the religious hysteria, like Koreshanity and Mormonism and stuff, that was starting in upstate New York. This is where, where anti-Masonry comes in. The Masons were secular people, and they met in secret. And that just scared people. The Catholic Church hates the Masons. So you have the Catholic Church telling people, you know, the Masons are really evil. In the... Um, Late 19th century, the Catholic Church um, thought that they had proof that the Masons were really Satan worshippers. It turned out they were being had by this French guy who just made a, wrote these fake books about paladism. He just made it up. But, but the idea got going. Also in Europe, um, unlike in America where the Masons never really were politically involved, except at the very founding of the country when, you know, Benjamin Franklin was a Mason, and George Washington were Masons. Um, but in Europe, the Masons really were involved in a lot of very right-wing stuff and a lot of very left-wing stuff. Um, in Italy, the, in the, the Risorgimento, the, the, um, some of the revolutionary peasant groups were organized in Masonic lodges. Um, the Ku Klux Klan used Masonic structures and its organization. The Masons have this template of secrecy. Um, they also have a history that it's largely an invented history. They don't really go back that far. They invented it themselves, but they, you know, where they relate themselves to the Templars, and the Templars were demonized by the Catholics. So that you know, there's there's all these tropes and and stuff that 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 sit on the Masons. There's some facts that there, that there was this involvement in radical politics in Europe, if not America. Um, the Grand Orient Masons in France don't. Um, they're the only Masons that don't have to believe in God, and they got involved in some occult stuff too. Mm. Um, but why people believe that the Masons control everything? <laughs> um, it's because in the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, the Jews say that they're going to use the Masons as a front, just like the Illuminati said they're going to use the Masons as a front. Mm. 
And then um, England's Nesta Webster wrote about how the Masons are controlling stuff. So the, it, it's actually just a couple of books that said, that 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 um, that posit the idea of um, a secret group that controls the world. Hmm. And they're you know if you, if you push them hard enough, they'll say, well, it's really the Rothschilds, hmm. and they're using the Masons. Um, but it, it's not that mysterious where it actually comes from. It comes from a couple of books. Yeah. Also, I think um, he doesn't get credited enough. But I, I actually, I don't think he was uh, would want to be credited enough. Uh, in this case, is uh, Robert Anton Wilson. He wrote the Illuminatus trilogy, the, which is actually kind of a parody of conspiracy theory. And well, he yeah. he knew he knew all the sources, mm. and he correctly drew on them. And he also knew at the time that he was writing that the John Birch Society was was in one of its heydays in the United States. And the John Birch Society spawned all this anti-Masonic stuff. Weirdly, the founder of the John Birch Society was a 33rd degree Mason. And there was a schism within the John Birch Society where people said, oh my God, Welch has been captured by the Masons. They're really a front group. And another thing that people held against the John Birch Society was that they weren't anti-Semitic enough. There were all these other right-wing groups that really were followers of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion, and they, you know, and then here's Welch with the John Birch Society. Sure, he says Eisenhower is a communist and stuff, but he won't say that he's really working for the Jews, mm -hmm. and he won't say that he's, you know, that he's a Mason. So, um, I know it, it, it gets so. One of the things that these groups do also. If you lurk on white supremacist websites, they're all accusing each other of being Jewish all the time. Mm. They turn on them each other in a second. Yeah. Um, I get, and this is one of the reasons that they never get any real power is that they <laughs> <laughs> kind of outparanoid you know, each other. Yeah, they they, they tear each other apart. <laughs> they outparanoid each other. Yeah. I think the um, one of the other things that may be, uh, I guess, a causal factor in why the masons get blamed a lot is also they do there are branches of masonry that i don't know if they still exist now but there used to be a group called the societas rosicruciana i believe that used to um sort of study the kind of quote-unquote occult history of the of the masons and you know, freemasonry well, the, the, the rosicrucians predate the masons yeah, yeah. by about a hundred years but a lot of them the the masons did pick up on a lot of it and you know that's not real. St the, the historical stuff is made up. The the books that the Rosicru that Rosicrucianism is based on are are, are hoaxes. Hmm. But there's a lot of real occultism that got in there, um, and, and a lot of Kabbalah. There was um, one of the kind of wonderful things that came with the with the um, Protestant Reformation is that that people opened up to all these alternative versions of Christianity. And um, there were Christian Kabbalists, the, the people that adapted Jewish mysticism. People started reading the Arab mystics. Um, and they started rediscovering the Gnostics, the little bits of Gnosticism that survived. And um, some of it's really interesting. And then with the alchemy, I mean, the the... Science wasn't science yet back then. I mean, Isaac Newton was would 
we, we think of, of, of Newtonian physics as sort of the, the, the baseline of what science is nowadays, and, and it is, but Newton himself was a devout Christian and a working alchemist. Yeah. And, um, you know, and he discovered the old Hermetic mystery texts, and he translated some of them. As above, so below. There's a, there's a Newton translation of that. Mm. Um, you know, time doesn't stand still. I mean, the, 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 the guys that were so intrigued by all this stuff back then, they were kind of free thinkers. Um, those people now probably really wouldn't be that interested in esoteric religion. They'd be more interested in esoteric science. Mm. But it carried into the Masons, and I've met Masons, um, you know, working class guys that turn out to know an awful lot about Gnosticism. I mean, it, it's interesting to me. Some of the um, some of the silly Dan Brown stuff about Masons turns out to be true. That there there is this real curiosity and and um, <laughs> and, and openness. Not not to New Age stuff particularly, but but to um, but 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 to occult Christianity. I mean, so one group that spawned out of uh, masonry that's always fascinated me uh, is the Golden Dawn. They're uh, an interesting group. I believe they're all ex-masons that are all also part of this kind of societist Rosicruciana. And um, again, they're a group that I've often seen. I think David Icke, for example, goes on about the Golden Dawn and then later the ATO as these kind of... Uh, as this kind of like modern day proof that there are these kind of black magicians out there kind of <laughs> um, well they they sold themselves as black magicians mm. and they had sex magic and stuff um i mean the 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 i mean it's true i mean it's not made, you know Aleister Crowley had told you how to do all the sex magic he he came out of the golden dawn mm -hmm. And um, Oto, Oto, that still exists in a yeah. smaller way. And weirdly, there's a there's a there's a brief connection between one of the Crowley groups and Scientology. Yeah, Jack Parsons. Yeah. That, so we just did a show I mean, about him. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it, it's it's a real connection. Hmm. If if you believe in Satan, this stuff gets terrifying. If you don't believe in Satan, then it's just stuff that people are doing, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I think a lot of people draw um, the kind of the art of magic, I suppose, with uh, studies like, I don't know if, if you've ever looked into this, but things like Timothy Leary's Eight Circuit Model and things like that. They it, Almost some, some people might argue that it's kind of a, an old version of, of, say, psychology or psychiatry in some way. It's kind of... Well, I, I think it is. Hmm. I mean, I, I and I think that you know, Timothy Leary didn't invent psychedelics either. I mean, people have been doing stuff chemically to their minds for a very long time. And religiously, I mean, the, the intense meditators do things to their minds that are, that are very, very intense. Hmm. I mean, I, I, I believe in all that stuff. I mean, you know, people have, have, have done these practices and, and sex magic. You know, it, the tantra and everything, it's all real. Hmm. Um, the question for me, you know, it, I don't think it's evil. I just think it's stuff that people do. Um, <laughs> but if, 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 if you come at it from a church framework or something, then, then, then it's, it's absolutely frightening. Um, at David Icke, I mean, I, 
I know he has a following in America, but I but it's probably not like it is in England. Mm. It's so hard to take him seriously. <laughs> but you know, maybe people do. I don't know. I just find I just can't agree with David Icke in any sense. You know, I just uh, some of it maybe, but things like reptilians. He's also you know he quotes the protocols all the time. Mm. Um, but it's not the Jews; it's the reptiles. Yeah. Or the, the, they're, they're from the Draco star system. Actually, they're not even really reptiles; they're aliens. Mm. Um, but you know, in in the sense where I say, at the, at, when we were first talking, I say there's this jumping-off point where conspiracy theory becomes theology. I mean, I think that's where David Icke is. <laughs> mm. Yeah, he's he's very close to becoming a. A very, a, yeah, a cult leader basically. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It's very. Um, it's going to be interesting to watch. Actually, I think over the next decade, for example, like how his kind of following develops and how his own work develops as well. Because like, I, he does have all the trappings of a future guru, you know, or a future yeah, kind he, of charismatic he, leader. <laughs> yeah, and I and I assume that there's the corruption too. I don't know that for a fact, but I I assume he lives very very well, hmm. and. Um, and that he feels entitled to things, <laughs> and and you know, and and time will tell. Ye, ye shall know him by his fruits. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, moving on very briefly to conspiracies themselves. I mean, um, did you, when you were researching the book, did you actually ever come across conspiracy theories that you felt were, you know, true? Sure. Um, I mean, yeah. Um, I think that I think that that um, rich people tend to know each other, and they um, and you know as Adam Smith said, when when businessmen get together, they form combinations. I think there's there's lots of there's lots of things that turn out to be conspiracies. Um, conspiracy theory, however. This whole theological thing, I, I don't believe in. I just because I life doesn't work that way. Mm. Um, you know the people that the, <laughs> I don't. I'm I'm afraid to like write down the word 9/11 truth on my blog because I'm going to get such nasty comments from people that I don't know. Well, there's a religion about what a, <laughs> about what a sellout I am and how much money the Rockefellers are giving me and stuff. Mm. But the, um, you know, they assume that the Bush administration pulls off all this incredible stuff without anybody telling anything, and, you know, and, and just they pull off this thing so beautifully that requires bombs and airplanes and NORAD exercises and, um, you know, these, 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 um, what are, what are, what are the, the, the super hot, bombs called i forget the, oh, the mag magmite bombs or something like that isn't it or um I, I i'm just going blank on the name they make the little metal spherule the, the um you know the the um is it magmite or something magmite i'm 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 just i'm just blank on it i mm. look it up in my book <laughs> if, you can, <laughs> if you can find it but i mean you know this these bombs don't exist commercially yet. I mean, th thermomite, thermomite bombs, yeah. thermite bombs. Um, 
the military doesn't even have them. They're so secret and cutting edge. But then they don't do one damn thing right when they go and invade Iraq. They don't do one thing right. Mm. You know, this, this WikiLeak video of, of these helicopter guys slaughtering these reporters that was released this week, that's what war is like. Mm. You know, it's, it's people that barely know what's going on. There's this constant fog. Um, th there is no God. I don't believe in God. There isn't somebody that knows all the answers. Mm. So, but, you know, the, what troubles me is that I, I've never read a really convincing theory of the Kennedy assassination mm -hmm. that satisfies me on every level, but I've never read a very convincing um, debunking of it either. Mm. And I suspect that what you have with the Kennedys is some people with power that got stuff erased from the official record. Um, so the Warren Commission's incomplete. So the conspirators that were working, now I suspect that, I mean, I have my own idea about this. I think that what they were trying to hide was that Oswald was an asset of the CIA or the FBI on some level, mm -hmm. which is not at all the same thing as saying that they used him as a uh, Manchurian candidate to kill the president. I don't think they did. Mm. But I think he was a weird enough character that they had tried to make use of him. And um, and they certainly didn't want that known. No. Uh, um, I think when he was leafleting in New Orleans, the fact that the Fair Play for Cuba group, you know, that the address was in the same building as the... It, there's just a lot of stuff in the Kennedy thing. I, I think Martin Luther King was probably um, assassinated by white supremacists. Um, I think that, that um, James Earl Ray was expecting to get paid by them. I think that's very likely true. I think, ask me about some other conspiracies. I can't, I think that, you know, I think that the neoconservative cobble in the Bush administration that that pushed so hard for the Iraq war, that, I mean, that history will look at that as a conspiracy. That's not conspiracy theory, though. Hmm. I mean, there's, you know, there's always a group in a, in a government that's more powerful than another group. And they get their stuff pushed through. I mean, <laughs> mm. I think the one way um, I always look at it is that conspiracy theories to me seem to misinterpret almost random acts of evil, if that makes sense. They tend to sort of join them together into this kind of giant theory where actually, you know, it's like Robert Anton Wilson says in many of his books that, you know, occasionally people that have evil intentions do get into positions of power, that they're not necessarily linked. You know, there's this. No, but, but you do also have the, in a totalitarian society, in a society that's run like a cult where somebody really does have this awesome power, um, a Stalin or a Hitler, hmm. they can do so much harm. <laughs> yeah. And even though they spend most of their time looking for conspiracies against them, <laughs> they do this stuff that is conspiratorial. Hmm. You know, they, they single-handedly push the levers of history. And, you know, 10 million kulaks starved to death because of something that, that they did, because of some cockamamie idea that they had. I, I, think, I, I think I wrote this to you, I didn't say it, that, the, um, that cults operate as in, the, in the way that conspiracy theorists think the world operates. Mm. 
that, you know, the, the head of the cult, yes, he really is sleeping with all the girls there. He really is stealing all the money. He really is, you know, throwing out the letters you're getting from home. He really is, like, controlling the flow of information. It only works on a pretty small scale in a cult. Um, in an absolutist dictatorship, it works on a much bigger scale. Um, part of what troubles me about conspiracy theorists in my country or your country is that they assume that our country is, you know, that, that, that there is no free press, that there is no, and, you know, yeah, of course the freedom of the press is compromised all the time, but there's a much freer press here than there was in Mao's China or in Stalin's Russia. Mm. And, um... And we have the internet. <laughs> and we have the internet, and they, and, and, and in fact, there will never again be a, a, um a Stalin's Russia or a Mao's China because of the internet. Mm. Stuff is going to get in. But, um, but conspiracists, and, you know, going back, I, I, I'm free associating, but going back to the 9-11 people, a lot of them will talk about the deep state. They genuinely believe that the state has so much more power than I think it does. You know, I just, they have, um, the United States military has this incredible brute force. You know, it can drop nuclear bombs on you, it can run you over with tanks, but it can't control the way people think. And it, you know, and it, and it can't hide its traces in the way that they say it does. Mm. Um, oh, nanothermite. That's the word I was looking for. <laughs> <laughs> Nanothermites. <laughs> I've got to admit, my favorite of all the conspiracy theories I've read recently. Um, and I think, I know you've definitely re uh, written about it in your blog, is uh, Lady Gaga as a puppet of the Illuminati. I was wondering, <laughs> how did you, uh, <laughs> how do you, I mean, and it seems to be linked in with this website called Vigilant Citizen, doesn't it? Um, I think the Vigilant Citizen people are brilliant. I mean... Great entertainment. <laughs> <laughs> but, and I think that there is this thing that has gone on for a long time in African-American culture. I mean, the black Muslims is based, they're much closer related to the Moorish Science Temple, which is a, a, a um, it's an offshoot of the Masons that, that used all this Arab symbolism, but it would also Masonic symbolism that went into the, um, that went into the, that, that went into the um, Elijah Muhammad developed into the nation of Islam. I think there's a lot of stuff sloshing around in um, African-American pop culture that really is, um, you know, you really can trace it back to the Illuminati. It's this Masonic iconography. The Lady Gaga has picked up on all this Egyptian stuff. I think it's she gets it through the fashion industry mm. and through... Um, through pop culture and probably through rap music, much more than she gets it from Adam Weishaupt in Bavaria. But, you know, some of it, you look at it and you say, God, that must be what it's about. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and maybe she's capitalizing uh, on the, uh, the the trend of conspiracy theories. It might be clever marketing, you never know. <laughs> I, I mean, I don't, I don't believe that she's a puppet of the Illuminati. <laughs> But some of the iconography, you know, the thing she does with her eye that looks like the eye of Horus, mm. well, 
That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a lot of it also seems to. There's a. The, I can't. I'm trying to remember who it was that recently started wearing "Do What Thou Wilt" t-shirts, and uh, was it Jay Z? So some Jay Z is another one that's always accused of being Masonic. Mm. And there's all kinds of Masonic, you know, pyramids with the truncated pyramids. That's actually not, strictly speaking, a Masonic symbol. Mm. It comes more out of that stew of occult symbols from the 18th century. But the Masons picked it up. Mm. So, um, I mean, they may not have invented it, but they, but the, but they used it. Mm. Um, Jay-Z, I know picked up a lot of stuff from probably from from the nation of Islam mm. um, street gangs when you look at um, there's this police website it's the Florida State Troopers I think where they they index all this gang graffiti to if like if you're a police chief in a small town in the Midwest and you see some funny graffiti and you're worried that maybe the Crips have setting up shop in your town mm. they have these and a lot of the a lot of the gang graffiti is Masonic, mm. um, and you know why wouldn't it be? The Masons have all this creepy symbolism, and um, it's it's there to use. I mean, you look at a dollar bill; it's pretty haunting imagery, and it's got all this Masonic stuff on it. Why wouldn't you use it? It's it's it's. Um, it's the esoterica that people are likely to have, you know, they're likely to know more about that than something that really is esoteric. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, um, before I let you go, um, is there, are, are there any projects you're working on that you'd like people to, to look at online, for example, or uh, any new books you have coming up? Or? Well, I have, a, um, I have a project that isn't sold yet that I'm very interested in that is expanding the work I've done on cults, conspiracies, and secret societies um, and relating it to the political world. Hmm. And if somebody buys it, I, I, I will be doing it and I'll make an announcement on my website. If somebody doesn't, I'll probably just sort of let it go and you'll never hear about it again. <laughs> um, <laughs> but... Um, People that are interested should come to my website, which is um, arthurgolwag.wordpress.com. Excellent. Well, thanks a lot for giving us some of your time, and uh, it's been really great talking to you. I think we'll have to uh, uh, get you back on, and uh, we'll have to go into some of these issues a bit more deeply at some point. Okay, well, you know where to find me, Excellent. and thank you so much for having me. Excellent. Thanks a lot. Okay, bye-bye.
Hello and welcome to MySpace Heroes number 20. That's right, number 20. I don't want any cards, I don't want any flowers. I just want you to listen to the exciting sounds of Island in the Sky with The Jekyll You Hide. Terrible song title. Uh, Super Adventure Club with 17th Century AOSS and Hanging Freud with Swamp.
I was there to advertise or question care, but I hardly think that that was fair. So dragons die on giants. But he never flashed this piece of me by wailing sweetly that it be a nature as a man will see. I was there to advertise or question care, but I hardly think that that was fair. So dragons die on giants.
and we're back. Uh, nice uh, heavy opening number there from Daddy Tank. <laughs> Scared the crap out of me when I first listened to it. But anyway, uh, yeah, so um, Arthur actually sent me, Arthur Goldberg actually sent me an email shortly after the interview uh, saying as a happy PS to the interview, my next book is now under contract. The working title is The New Hate, The Old New Obsessions of the Populist Right, uh, which is going to be published by Pantheon which is great news. Um, I don't know about you, but I really enjoyed that interview with Arthur. I thought he was a fantastic guest. Um, I'm definitely going to have him back because we've got so much stuff we can go through in this book. It's fantastic. And also I thought he was a really good guy and interesting, which is always a nice combination. So uh, yeah, if you want to uh, get in contact with us uh, here at Sitting Now, you can, have a, you can come to the website and leave a comment at sittingnow.co.uk. You can hit me up on Twitter, which is at sittingnow. Uh, MySpace slash sitting now. Uh, yeah, we're pretty much everywhere. And next week we should be back with Eamon Loughborough, who runs Hellfire Books, and we're going to be talking to him about the Hellfire Club, yeah, conveniently. So uh, yeah, that should be interesting. And hopefully next week I'll have a co-host, which should always be you know, helpful. Because, uh, but not that I really need one actually today, because Arthur was fantastic. So anyway, I'll see you guys next week, and uh, yeah, have fun.